Hello, welcome back to Earthside Birth Podcast. I'm Sarah Mori, and I'm here with... Kim Windows. We are excited to podcast this week. Last week we podcast about the safety of birth centers and kind of the difference of midwifery care versus the medical model of care. And today we really wanted to talk to our listeners and our clients. So today we're gonna talk about the perception of pain in labor. And one of the big questions a lot of our clients come to us is that how am I going to make labor happen here without pain relief? And we just kind of wanted to talk about how to do that. And it's not as simple or straightforward as choosing a place that has an epidural versus choosing not. And I'm going to have to force my way through this. So what would you say in answer to like when a client comes in and says, well, if you guys don't have an epidural, how am I going to do this? Years ago, what I tried to do is to find some gurus that would speak to me about that. And one of them is Penny Simpkin. And Penny Simpkin, in her book, Labor Progress, she talks about ritual, relaxation, and rhythm. And that pain relief comes in multi-forms, not just medicine. And that the brain works kind of funny in how it perceives pain. And that the more we can do to get the brain talked out of pain, the Mm -hmm. less pain you will perceive. It's not that you're not having pain. It's just that you're able to get through it with the tools that you feel help you to get through it. And the more pain you have or the more you're perceiving, the more things you have to do to help that system to work to its best capacity. And then the other thing I think that makes the biggest difference is that you get some education that talks about trusting birth and trusting Mm -hmm. that your body will allow you to do this work to the best of its capacity as long as you have some of those tools that will assist you. I agree with, I love the Penny Simpkin relaxation ritual and rhythm, how women are going to cope through pain. So one of the things I like teaching about is the perception of pain, A, that it's there and present. And one of my favorite books I like to recommend is Birthing from Within. Yes. And she talks about pain and how to start thinking about it and I love what she says is it's going to be worse than you thought yes so just getting on board with that I never teach in my classes like oh it's just they're not it's not even pain it's just waves (laughs) it's uncomfortable so the first thing is acknowledging that it's going to be harder than you think, but it's never going to be more than you can do. That's right. Starting with that. The other thing that people have to remember too with a birth outside of the hospital and a birth in the hospital is that because you're in a different environment, that also lends to your perception of pain. Well, and that stress or nervousness or the belief that something is always going to go wrong, Mm -hmm. that that has a way of perpetuating itself. And that when we carry all of that in our brain, in our body, in our mind, that increases the pain that we perceive. Mm -hmm. Certainly the literature bears that out and that there are different things that we can do to help ourselves to become more comfortable with what we know to be true as people that are giving birth. One of my favorite quotes, I think it's Sarah Buckley, Mm -hmm. talks about the perception of pain being lower when you're surrounded by caring women. That's right. And that's one of the biggest things that is different in an out-of-hospital birth 
that when you're surrounded by women, especially who trust the process of birth, who are providing that continued support, your level of pain actually decreases to the point where you're not at that level of, I need something to get me out of this. The midwifery model of care is based on that. Just that with women is what makes the difference and the literature bears that out. The literature says that you don't need medication, that you don't need an epidural, that what makes the biggest difference for a vaginal delivery is not even somebody touching you, it's just being in the room, breathing mm -hmm. the same air as you, as the person who's giving birth, that that's all you really need and that everything else is yes. window dressing. Yes. <laughs> One of my favorite studies done on doula services yep. was that they were trying to figure out what made the difference between a positive birth experience and a negative one. And one researcher, they were trying to research just kind of surveying people after birth, like having them tell them what made the difference. But one researcher was like, I want to be in there and I'm going to sit back in the corner and watch. And I want to try to figure out why these women have positive birth experiences and why they don't. And she ended up skewing her own data because every single birth she sat in on, that woman had a positive birth experience. Right. And when she asked why, they said, I just felt like someone was there supporting me. And she was like, but I was just sitting in the corner and I didn't even say anything. She, and they all said, yeah, but you were there. You were the support. Even that alone versus someone who's actively supporting you makes a huge difference in your level of pain tolerance. Well, just that we witness it, I think, is that we mm -hmm. witness what someone's going through, that we see them and that we hold space for what's occurring to them, for them, with them, and just within them. Mm -hmm. All those different things, I think, makes a difference. Yes. I think that the sympathetic vibe, yes. we've all, we've been there, we feel you, we know when someone says, I can't do this, I know, mm -hmm. I know, I've been there, you've got this, instead of, I can't do this, okay, what do you need? Mm -hmm. And a lot of women will voice, I teach this a lot when you get to transition and you say, I can't do this anymore. Most of the time women aren't actually asking for help. They are saying, I need more support. And for me, one of my examples was when I was in labor with my third, I was having a hospital birth. It was with a midwife. I was laboring perfectly fine. And I made a joke and I said, I don't, I don't know what I was thinking wanting another natural birth. And I said it because I needed someone to tell me I was doing a good job. She instantly said, what do you, what can I get for you? Do you want an epidural? Mm -hmm. And thankfully I was like, no, I was like, get a little something, but just, I wanted to voice that and have someone give me that feedback. And so what I teach a lot of clients is when women are saying those things out loud, they're really asking for your emotional support for you to step in for you to get more from those people instead of I need to fix this just holding space for whatever it is that they say and just allowing that and it's not even allowing just being present for it probably you know I've also been in the hospitals a long time and recently the job before this one was me going back and working in labor and delivery and I had a client who had an epidural, but she didn't like the fact that it wasn't 100%. Mm -hmm. And I just sat down next to her and I said, what do you need? And after that, she goes, nothing, I'm good. 
And it wasn't that I, I, I couldn't fix it, I couldn't change it, I couldn't alter it. But what do you need? And really what it was is I sat down in a chair next to her, took a minute to ask that question, and that's all. And after that, she delivered like an hour later. Wow. That was it. That's all she needed. Somebody to say, I hear you, I understand. There's not much that I can do other than to say, I'm here with you. I totally understand. And let's just get through this last little bit. And after that, that was the turning point, and she was able to do what she needed to do to get it done. Wow. And that's in all of us. Yeah. In every single one of us. And I've seen it over and over. But that's the case. So touching a little bit on what you were saying before, of I talk to people a lot about the fear, tension, pain cycle. Yes. And how, first of all, if we're surprised at the pain, we start to tense up all of our muscles. And the more tense we are, the more we start feeling pain. And the more pain we feel, the more scared we get. That's right. And the more scared we get, the more we tense up. And we get into this vicious cycle rather quickly, if you've ever been in that situation where you've tried to calm down and then you kind of freak out. And all of a sudden it hurts a lot more. And so do you want to talk a little bit about how you teach to stay out of the fear, tension, pain cycle. In a community birth center where medication is not a piece of that, what I attempt to do is just talk about many, many different things. And what tends to happen is on the day of, is that we, we will, the birthing person will pick what it is that works mm -hmm. for them because now they've been open to so many different choices. So there can be action things like using a comb where you're holding a comb where you're creating pain in a different way than what you're perceiving with labor. You could just like Penny Simpkin says, rhythm where you rock and think about what you would do for your child, your baby that's about to come when they're crying, where we go to the bathroom often, where we eat a little something, where we rock when we're feeling uncomfortable. Um, and I talk about that often. Or towards the end, the other piece of it is getting in water, where initially you might use like a shower, but towards the end, water birth, where when you're around seven, eight, nine, ten 10 centimeters, we get into um, and get into the water where you get about 60% pain relief just because of immersion in heat mm -hmm. and buoyancy. Those things assist as well. But the other thing is, is that that might change on the day of giving right. birth. <laughs> we all have an idea of what's going to work. I get asked all the time, I might choose water birth today, but what if I decide I don't want it when I'm ready to deliver? It doesn't you matter to me. Yeah. <laughs> you get to say what works for you and what feels good. There's also um, some literature that talks about how the brain resets in every 30 minutes about how much pain it can take. And that by waiting and doing these things that we're assisting the body and assisting what it is that we can get through and feel comfortable with and feel knowledgeable about and be able to relax with. Mm -hmm. And the literature says that our bodies are meant to do this and that we have that capability and that we're built for this. Right. That fear piece too of like, we're so conditioned that you're not going to be able to do this. I remember with my first, I was telling a coworker, like, I want to have a natural birth. And he's like, listen, everyone says that. My wife wanted that too, but you're going to be 
you're going to get to a point where it's just going to be, you won't even get it. Like it just is going to be too overwhelming for you. And it was interesting because that came up in my labor because I was doing it. But then the thought was, well, if I'm still able to cope with this, how much worse is it going to get? Because everyone's telling me it's going to get so bad I won't be able to handle it. And it never actually got to that level, but the fear of how much worse is this going to get because people are telling me I won't be able to handle it. And I'm like, I'm kind of at the top of what I can handle, but I'm doing it. Buying into that fear of this is gonna be too much. And I think most of us are trained in our culture to enter labor of like, well, I'd like to do it, but we'll just see what happens. I've seen that over and over and over when I'm in, when I was working in the hospital instead of a community birth center where just the mention of an epidural or the mention of an out was taken because of that worry that if this is as bad as it's going to get and if I only have a window of when I can do this mm -hmm. then or how much longer can I take this right. instead of what can I do to help me to get through the time that I have left. So reframing it, rephrasing it, trying to always remember and I think we've lost this, that we're built for this. Right. And that if I, and I do believe this, that all of these things beget something. Pregnancy begets labor, begets parenting, begets breastfeeding, begets all of these things. And we find out that we can conquer all of this, mm -hmm. that we're capable, that we're, that we should be confident, we're not, but we should be because we're gonna figure out the problem. We're gonna figure out a solution that works for us. And I've seen that over and over and over and it's amazing, it's a truly an amazing thing to watch. And that's why I wanted to do community birthing. That I felt that often that piece, that where we were told that we could be who we wanted to be if we wanted it, became less common, less mm -hmm. felt less doable, and felt like at every turn that we were met with, you might be able to do it, but probably not. Right. Yeah. Talked about like staying in the present moment is what we talk about a lot of, can we get through this one contraction? And, and when our mind goes to the, you know, we're, as humans, we're always operating in past pain or future fears, past pain, future fears, and we rarely stay in the present moment. And birth and labor is a great reminder of how powerful mindfulness and the yes. present is. It doesn't matter. It's in this moment, can I breathe through this contraction? Can I get through this one contraction at a time? We can do anything for 60 seconds. Mm -hmm. We're, and that's totally doable. But then you think about that hour, or every two to three minutes, that tends to be just about 12 to 15 minutes out of an hour. But what we tend to look at is the whole, that I have 12 more hours to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of first time moms really want somebody to tell them exactly how it's going to feel. And we were just kind of discussing that even if it's your third or fourth, oftentimes we don't remember mm -hmm. how it feels or how we're in labor or what exactly was happening for good reason. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't do it again. You wouldn't do it again. And so kind of talking a little bit about it's not so much, no one's going to be able to prepare you for how it is. 
but starting to think about if it's longer than I thought, if it's more painful than I thought, what kinds of coping mechanisms do I have? What works for me now? How do I get through discomfort in my life? And starting to think and practice ways, whether it's position changes, getting in the water, meditation, music, swaying, talking, like what works and also making sure you have more than one thing in your toolkit because so often, you know, I hear that with, so hypnobirthing, for instance, you're kind of trying to convince yourself it's not pain. And if you can do that, that's great. But oftentimes if that's the only thing you've been practicing and you get into after labor and it's not working, are you out of cards to play? Mm-hmm. Or like you said, sometimes you're so committed, like I'm going to get in the water and it's going to be great. And maybe you're the person that when you get in the water, your contractions stop and we have to get you out. So what's going to work for you if those things aren't working in the moment? Well, you just said something though, that we think that labor pain is different than pain that we deal with every day. Right. Why is that different? And what, where I tend to start or where I tend to begin to have this conversation is what do you do every day at home when you're hurting for most women honestly what I hear is I go to sleep Mm. and in the beginning that's gonna work great for labor that's gonna work great but then we just have to have those other tools that we can add to it's not to say that you can't rest and break up things with resting but you also have to have a toolbox full of just different thoughts about what I'm going to do when I need it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So talking a little bit more about how water helps in labor. Oh gosh. Women love to be submerged in water up to their neck. That's around 120 degrees, right? Mm-hmm. That we get relaxation, that we're able to just let go when we feel that. And that's kind of what water birth does when you're having contraction does. The difference is, is that we can't quite have it at 120 degrees. We have to have it about 11, just because we have that passenger on board. But what the literature says is that it just allows for relaxation, buoyancy, and that the pain changes because we're sensing relief because of the warmth of the water itself. And when we have that, we're able to just relax those muscles that we might not be able to relax otherwise if we didn't have that opportunity. And I see that constantly, that that's the last little thing that we need to be able to get mm-hmm. to, the, to the finish line and be able to birth our babies um, and feel confident about that, that that 60% pain relief towards the end is going to get us to the finish line. just kind of takes the edge off of those peaks of contractions. And with water, the hormone that relaxes you enough to open you up in active, good, hard labor is also the same hormone that might relax you enough to slow labor down. So using that as a tool where if you're in early labor and you're really trying to rest and get some sleep, maybe getting in the tub will relax you enough to slow things down. And after about six centimeters, getting in the tub will relax you enough to speed up labor to get you out of your body's way to do the work. That's right. And that it's 
learning how to let go mentally and that that's a process, right? That from the time that you're pregnant until the time that you give birth, that you're learning to trust that your body will do the work that you need to. Mm -hmm. And therefore you can let what we try to do every day, which is control, change, fix, alter, let that go so that we can get out of our way mentally to allow our body to do that work. Right. Yeah, it's like getting out of the thinking brain into the primal body. What we tend to want to do at a certain point is to turn on that control mechanism. Mm-hmm. And what I believe support allows you to do is to keep that shut off. So when we want to say, I need something, I can't do this, but you are doing it. You've got this. Just just remember that your body is serving you. Mm-hmm. Your mind just needs to help you a little bit more. Instead of saying, no, I can't, we say, I can do it one more time. And we just keep reiterating that over and over and over. At one point or another, including myself, around that eight or nine centimeter mark, we all say, I don't know, I don't know. I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. And then one more thing happens and we realize that we can. And that's what gets us Mm. to that end point where the baby's able to come. I recently heard a really great analogy of like, we rarely think of needing to interfere during pregnancy, right? Like, we just trust that our body can build a perfect little human. And this is like the most miraculous thing possible, right? These two cells start dividing and we just create an entire human. And it's an entirely hands-off process. So, of course, our bodies know how to do that. And then we get to labor and we're like, I don't know. What if it doesn't? I don't know what to do. And so starting to reframe that as... My body can labor just as easily as it can to make a baby, breastfeed a baby, and those types of things. But losing that connection because we're so convinced that our bodies are going to fail us, even though we've just done this huge miraculous thing with our bodies. Well, I think that we've done a disservice to ourselves and that, you know, on TV we see birth stories, 30 minutes and three pushes, all babies come in that amount of time. Mm -hmm. So that's become an expectation or that we've been told that two cells becoming 500 million cells. And by the way, I just made that up. I'm trying (laughs) to get you to think about the miraculousness that is creating a baby that that's always going to go wrong. But the reality is, and the literature bears me out. I'm not making this up. 95% of the time, this is normal. And that, yes, of course, bad things happen. And yes, of course, things happen that we can't control. But we're told the opposite, that 95% of the time that something bad's going to happen, that it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. But really, that's not the case. That 95% of the time, it does work. And that we're able to birth the way that we're meant to. I know that's not what we hear these days, but that the literature says that that's the case. And that's all over the world, not just here in the United States, that's all over the world. Um, And that's just something that I think puts it in perspective, that we're meant to do this. That yes, pain medication is an option, and that's why hospitals and birth centers and hospitals exist. I want everyone to have a choice in this. You get to say how you want to go about birthing. But that community birthing is also a concept that has been around for Mm -hmm. hundreds of years 
and that you can do it this way as well. It's, it's a commitment. It's um, thinking about it in a different way. It's having a thought process that this is doable and then coming up with a way that you feel that you can get it done and that there's multiple ways, not just one way. Right. So not only is supported birth less painful, but it sounds like a lot of it is fear-based driven, right? So when we allow those fears of what if I can't, what if I need this, what if this goes wrong, what if it gets too painful? And so for me, that brings into play visualization, imagery, those mantras instead of, I hope I can do this. A lot of times when I teach childbirth classes, it's to people also having hospital births. So they often say, I'd like to do it natural, but I just don't know how much I can. So instead of focusing on that is, can we teach trusting our bodies that, of course I can do this and here's how I'm going to do it. What I try to equate labor to is parenting. <laughs> Let's think about this for a second. You're pregnant for 10 months. Generally, a birth happens in about 24, 36 hours on average. But then you're raising a child for, what, 30 years? Yes. <laughs> and I'm laughing about this, and I'm trying to have this be a little bit funny, but we don't get epidurals for that part. No, we don't get epidurals or morphine or Demerol or fentanyl for parenting. And that lasts, and of course, there are great and fabulous things about raising kids, and I, I loved every minute of it. But some of it's painful, too, and some of it's hard and difficult. But we imagine that we're going to be able to be successful right. at that. Why would it be any different right. for labor, which basically lasts 24 to 36 hours? Mm. Just just a little bit bigger picture, a little bit different perspective, a little bit. And I think it's interesting that we've made this one day, day and a half, so important. Yes. And that other piece of parenting, which is way longer, yes. um, not as important or not, or that this says what kind of a person we're going right. to be or how strong we are or whether or not we're going to be a good parent right. or, oof. Or we know we can get through that, but I don't know about this. Or that's a really good point. I, with my first and second, I took a Bradley Method class and it was 12 weeks of talking about how to get through this day of labor mm -hmm. and very, very little spent on say breastfeeding and that's yes. a two or three year journey and for six weeks was fairly you know frustrating and difficult to do when I first started having babies if I were to imagine having teenagers I'd be like oh lord I don't know I'm not going to be able to do that right like I'm looking ahead and that's that future fear of oh that sounds so scary but if you're just present in those ages you're looking back and seeing how far you've come That's right. and then you do get to those periods of time and you're like actually it was great it was great it was way less scary than I thought it would be but if I had gone on what I thought I could do like I could never parent a teenage girl they're scary <laughs> but I'm having a blast with my teenage girl I think it's just perspective and I think that the world the communities that we live in, the way we live in the United States, has spoken to us about expectation and perception. And that I just think, I know, that we just need to reframe that. And that we need to tell ourselves a different story. And what I truly believe, what I know, is that women, birthing people, 
anybody who chooses to have children <laughs> are superheroes and we just don't know it. And that this is just a path that we have to inform ourselves about in order to do what it is that we hope for ourselves to the best of our capacity. And whatever that brings, it doesn't mean that you're going to be a bad parent or you're a bad person, or it just means that it informs us and what we know to be true. And maybe it doesn't end up exactly the way that we wanted it to be, that it does tell us, show us different things about ourselves. And all of that is necessary information to do this thing called parenting, raising children, and doing it in a way that we feel comfortable with to the best of our capability. And that's the bigger picture, rather than just this one day, this 36 hours, this one specific thing. Mm -hmm. That's a journey that we all need to be proud of, no matter the end piece. Mm -hmm. Whether the and vaginal cesarean, we all know what we would hope for. But sometimes things happen that we have no control over, and how do we reframe that day to help us to do the rest of the journey? That's the answer. That's the question. And the answer that I know is, is that we do the best that we can with what we know at the time. And that is how we get through all of these things as best. Informing though, and understanding how our bodies work. And I love being able to describe what actually in our bodies are hurting too so Mm. the uterus is a giant muscle and when we go into labor it starts flooding with oxytocin and the oxytocin causes contractions which are painful but if you think of the uterus like a giant blown up balloon but that's a big muscle that's trying to contract to open up the cervix and then the muscle builds to the top of the uterus to then push the baby out and if women can start to visualize why, the why behind the pain. So instead of like, this hurts, I don't like it, I'm fighting it, I'm tense, we can start picturing, oh, it's this giant muscle that's trying to work. And the more I can relax all of my other muscles, the more that muscle's gonna get oxygen, it can work more efficiently. And I love teaching every little trick to get a more efficient labor, right? Mm -hmm. Because, hey, if we can make this quicker, that's great for everybody involved. So if we can get out of the way of that muscle being able to work and giving it as much efficiency and power as possible, we can use our minds to then get out of the way of letting our body do the work. What you're talking about is how the passenger, the baby, moves through the, the system that is our uterus, our pelvis, our perineum, and ultimately our vagina, which basically it's a long highway, right? Mm -hmm. And the musculoskeletal system informs all of that. Thinking about how a baby moves and changes position to fit through all of that anatomy and how we, me as a support person, you as the birthing people can assist your body to do that work and to allow that to occur. And that's about prenatal care, that's about learning how the body works, that's about learning how the top of the pelvis, the middle of the pelvis, the bottom of the pelvis, the inlet, the mid, and the outlet work to allow a baby to fit through there. And that's different movements, relaxation, Mm -hmm. um, 
helping when the we feel like we can't do it anymore coping with movement and then a baby can move through there without much difficulty so movement is one of the superpowers of an out-of-hospital birth experience because when we allow our bodies the freedom to move around in labor we naturally seek positions that feel better and that typically means the baby's in a more ideal position than if it we say we lay down and it becomes very uncomfortable it's a sign telling our bodies that oh this isn't actually great for labor and so women naturally seek out positions that feel good to them and the more they can move the more like Kim said are helping the passenger find its way through the pelvis. From the time that I started doing this when I was, I don't know, 22 years old in labor and delivery to now, my the information that I have is so different. How you help a baby to move through there with greater ease has everything to do with the success and being able to just allow that to happen. Most of the time we think it's about what we do, what we don't do, what we ate, what we didn't eat, whether or not our bladder's full, not full, and all of those things to a certain degree inform it. But it's really about allowing our body to just do its best work at a time when it needs us to allow that to happen. Mm -hmm. So it's that 10 months beforehand, and yes, to a certain degree when you're in labor, but it's really about all of that stuff, that nutrition, hydration, eating a meal before you come in, and I'm talking about a community birthing center, not a hospital, um, so that your body can do that work, which is that marathon that is labor. Mm -hmm. if, and your baby and you, you as the birthing person, will speak to what we have to do at the time. But it's also about feeling that. Mm -hmm and that it will come to you, it will come to me as your support person on the day that you're there. Your body, you, your baby will speak to all of us mm -hmm. so that we can uh, do that to the Yeah, that kind of reminds me of, you know, we teach all these positions. Chances are you're not gonna remember any positions, <laughs> but if you can trust into the process that your body, when you give it the opportunity to seek out a position that feels good to you, that we're, we're learning from the body That's and learning right. from the baby instead of, what did she teach in class? Am I doing this right? And that birth is instinctive. And mm -hmm. that, you know, as a midwife, I get told all the time when we laugh about this, that I do midwitchery or voodoo or that it's some kind of a non-medical thing, but to a certain degree, it's all about my gut. And it's all about what I see in the person before me. and what is that baby saying as well and how are they where is their pain how are they responding to pain what how can i help to guide but not say that this is what we need to do because there are many things we could do this or this we could do this or this there's no one right way it's what feels right to you mm -hmm. so the last piece about pain is that we really try to teach is that it's normal yes and that's a big piece that's missing a lot of the time because Typically, the, the big difference of pain in childbirth versus other pain is that other pain typically tells you something's not right. And we want to reframe pain in childbirth to be like, oh, my body's actually doing exactly what it needs to, and this is very normal. 
So there's not really a, I think that's where another fear plays in of how do I know if this isn't normal or not, or for the support partner, what if she's in too much pain and I can't help her instead of, oh, this is normal. And I often joke about, you know, as a doula walking into a room and he's like, she's really in pain and she just threw up and me being like, oh, good. <laughs> and he kind of, what? Like, really? Really? Yeah, You're that's just good. <laughs> yeah. And all, but all of a sudden he can calm down about it and understand that, oh, this is actually a normal part of the process instead of something for me to worry about and know if Thanks. I need to step in or fix. And so the more we can normalize the discomfort of labor, the more we're going to be able to get out of the way. But I heard you do something that I do on a routine basis when you're talking about pain, and you did it automatically, which I think is interesting. I think all birth workers do this, is that we start to elongate our syllables and we slow down and we get softer in our voice because what we're attempting to accomplish just by our words and it was when you were talking about supporting the dad. Well, that's normal. That's, <laughs> we just slow everything down <laughs> and we talk differently and we are trying to support them just by our words and our actions. That if we're not panicky, if we're not feeling discomforted, and when we slow down like that, they automatically, okay, I'm good, I'm right. fine. I'm, and it's something that we all do, which I think is that's interesting. <laughs> but automatically, I just heard Sarah do that. So that's something that you can expect from birth workers that oftentimes um, I'm usually a pretty, I have a lot of words when I talk normally, but when I'm helping someone in labor, I'm not a talker. Mm -hmm. I'm very, very quiet. I take my, my decibels that are normal down to just a little bit where they have to slow down, where they automatically have to relax a little bit, where I sit still a lot just trying to say that all of you know, if I start to move, if I start to act like, then they think there's something wrong. So there, if I'm just sitting there, if I'm being patient, if I'm sitting on my hands, we're good, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for talking with about pain with me. I don't know if you have anything else to add, but I think that's a... I think, I, I don't know that I have anything else to add, but what I want to make sure everybody recognizes is that birth is perfect. Women that are birthing people that birth are perfect and that we just have to let go and let birth happen to the best of our capability. Yes, of course, inform ourselves, but that it will happen in the way that it's meant to happen, and we just have to trust that it will be as we desire. Well, thanks for joining us on Earthside Birth Podcast. Feel free to message us with questions you want answered, topics you want to touch on. If you want to talk about your birth experience with us, we'd love to hear from you, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. <laughs>